0: The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. That was better than two weeks ago. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'll try my best not to be too unfiltered. This is the fourth service of the weekend, and we're especially glad that you're here at the broadcast campus. We want you to feel welcome. We also want to say thank you to those that are tuning in from our Manistee campus, and uh, a special welcome to two more groups of people. Uh, There's many people that are tuning in from jail or from prison, and we want them to feel welcome. Yeah, our brothers and our sisters. Um, and, uh, also as I, as I looked here just this morning, uh, many of you, I know served here last night or you served at the eight thirty, and, uh, we don't thank you enough, but I want to say thank you because those people are worshiping one hour and then coming back to serve. Or sometimes they worship two or three services and then they sit in on the fourth. So thank you. Uh, uh, God sees, uh, we try to see, I don't always see, but God sees in the check is in the mail. So, um. You'll get that later, all right? Some guys are at home going, where's it at? All right, it's the blessing, get it, yeah, struggle is the glory. Okay, so uh, if you have a Bible, turn to uh, Mark chapter nine, and uh, we need to jump right in because we're going to cover a rather large section, and it's a, a section that's hard to put into words. Uh, today, we're going to look at the transfiguration of Christ, a real event that sometimes when you're just reading the Bible, you can just speed past. And we miss how profound it really is. And some of the reasons that it's hard to grasp is because words fail. Words fail when we really take time to look at what the transfiguration was all about. But before we get there, just a little bit of context. Last weekend, Pastor Tim uh, preached on the pivotal point of the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus is training his disciples... They're they're gradually and sometimes thick-headedly getting a, a glimpse of who he is and they're starting to figure it out that he's the Messiah. And last week the pivotal question was, who do they say that I am? And Jesus made it even more pointed to his disciples and for us as we study the scriptures, who do you say that I am? It's not enough who you're grandparents or who your parents said that Jesus is. It's not enough who do do your pastors or your church where you attend, who do they say Jesus, who do you say that Jesus is? You have to come to grips with that question. And if you remember, Peter got it right. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. But then he got it wrong because when Jesus started to explain what that meant, that this Messiah, this conquering king, he he was going to conquer in a kind of a upside down way, he was going to be tortured and killed on a cross. And that's the only way that we can come into relationship with God is through the payment for our sin with his blood. Peter didn't understand that. And he said, no, wait. And he was called Satan for it. Well, at the tail end of that, that's where we pick it up in chapter nine, starting in verse one, it says, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And that's how it starts, the chapter 9. And what Jesus is referring to is what's about to happen. So in your Bible study or at Fight Club or, you know, if you want to waste a lot of time there, does that mean that some of those, didn't didn't Jesus say some disciples are going to stay till the end of all things? No, he said until you see. Some of you here will not die until you see something spectacular. That's what we're covering. Verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. That translated word is metamorpho, as in metamorphosis. There was a transformation, a transfiguration. Verse 3, And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. But Jesus only. So we'll pause right there. This is the first part of the story. This is the transfiguration. And the way I've characterized this is the disciples and us through the reading got a glimpse of glory. There's a little glimpse of glory. Whose glory? God's glory. Who is God? Jesus is God. They got a glimpse behind the veil of his humanity. So even though Peter, you know, he's telling John Mark it was as if he was transfigured. Make no mistake, Jesus didn't change. Before this moment, he wasn't just a really holy guy that God dropped his magic wand on and then all of a sudden we get bleach, right? You see what I mean by words fail? We start to piece together the transfiguration from all the other gospels and what we see, it's like the veil of Jesus' humanity is pulled back for a moment and they could see him for who he is. A glimpse of his glory. What do I mean by that? Well, all the gospels say that his clothes became, as Mark said, intensely white. One of them said it was like, like lightning, right? He was shining. Mark came up with bleach, right? It was like a really intense bleach. Really? We're going Clorox? I, I don't know, Right? But that's what he saw and it says that his face shone, one of the gospels says, his face shone like the sun. Now if we fill in some of the rest of this, what you actually find out is one of the gospels confesses that Peter, James and John, when they went up the mountain with Jesus, they went up there to pray. Right, And we don't know why he just chose those three. I mean, maybe it's because those three were really the leadership of the 12, and they're going to plant the church when he's gone. But he didn't take them all up there. He just took these three, Peter, James, and John. And they're up there praying, and it says they fell asleep. Jesus says, hey, let's pray. Okay, yeah, let's pray. And then after a while, they're, Bueller, Bueller. Have you ever fallen asleep while you're praying? Show of hands, who's fallen asleep while they're praying before? Okay, some of you are Christians. I'm kidding. I've fallen asleep praying myself. I, I used to fall asleep when mom prayed. Oh my goodness, she would pray the paint off the walls, right? And you just say, okay, I get it, mom, right? And these guys wake up and if we piece it together, when they wake up, Jesus is shining. And his face, if words matter, is like the sun. Have you ever tried to stare into the sun? Yeah, don't do it. Back in the day, in college, I spent a summer as a welder. You didn't know that, did you? I'm more than just pants, all right? I was a welder for a summer. And I remember with the welding helmet on, it was cool because you could look at the sun. You can't look at the sun. Jesus' face is like the sun. How did they know it's Jesus? He's blinding them. And they've just woken up. I love it. It's so human and yet so supernatural. That's what's so cool. But it gets better. He's shining... They get this little glimpse of his glory. Remember it says that God exists in unsearchable light. And when it says his face is shining. He's not reflecting anything. You'll remember in the book of Exodus. When God led his people through Moses out of Egypt. That Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God. And a cloud descended on the mountain. And Moses went up into the cloud. And as he's up in the cloud, he's in the presence of God. And he's receiving the law, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came back down, his face was shining. And it was such an issue, they had to put a veil over his face. Because the people were distracted and they couldn't get anything done. They're just staring at Moses. Get a load of this guy. He's shining, right? This is different. Moses was reflecting something. Jesus isn't reflecting. Did you catch that? This is the glimpse of God and his glory. They get to see Jesus for who he really is. Not just a rabbi. Not just a miracle worker. Not just a good guy. He's the source. And he's talking to two dudes that have been dead for hundreds of years. Moses and Elijah show up. And they're talking. Like you do. I don't know how they knew it was Moses and Elijah, right? They didn't have any museum photos. I don't know. Maybe they had name tags. Maybe Jesus told them later. But it says in one of the Gospels that they were speaking to Jesus about his departure. And so here you have Moses. He represents the Old Testament law. All of God's holiness and his justice that no man could possibly fulfill perfectly except Jesus. He represents the law. And here you have Elijah, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. He represents the prophets. So you've got the law and the prophets. You've got the summary of the Old Testament meeting with Jesus, the New Testament, on this mountain. This is a big deal. How's that for context? And then Peter decides, this is a good time for me to make a speech. And bless his heart, I mean, it says in there, he didn't know what to say and he was terrified. So some of us are like that, probably me. You know, I don't know what to say, so I'm going to just say something. If my lips move, maybe something good will come out. I don't know. But he says, uh, hey, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. You guys need some tents? <laughs> or maybe he was thinking, here's an idea. Let's multi-site this, right? Let's build a compound. There'll be a house, the house of Elijah and the house of Moses, and we'll build you one too, right? And that's when the cloud comes down. It's like, it's almost like it, it doesn't say this, but it's almost like God saying, "Peter, shut up," right? Because that's when a cloud descended and God speaks. And doesn't want Peter to get confused. This is my son. Listen to him they're in awe they're terrified of the shining light and and these patriarchs that are there and they got to see them with their eyes god the father saying wait 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 it's about jesus it's about jesus moses that's nice elijah that's nice listen to him you listen to him listen to this one this is my son right the staff we were watching a sermon from a very gifted pastor that was preaching on this and he brought up this brilliant observation. He said, look, if you're ever on a mountain and Jesus' face is shining like the sun and there's all this light and Moses and Elijah are there and they're having a conversation, it's probably not about you. That's probably not your cue to go, hey, I've got a thought. Let's build some tents. Bless his heart. But still, Peter was given this beautiful glimpse of glory And they're speaking to him about his departure. And after God speaks, when he says, this is my son, listen to him. The cloud was gone. Moses and Elijah were gone. And did you catch that? And they were left there with Jesus only. That's where we're left. Jesus only, not Jesus and Jesus. Not Jesus and Moses. Not Jesus and Elijah. Not Jesus and your favorite preacher. Not Jesus and your favorite book. And not Jesus and your favorite Bible study. It's Jesus alone. That's what you're left with. Just like the disciples. Verse 9. Story continues. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves Now, this little section is they're coming down from the mountain, coming down from that glimpse of glory. Finally, from the disciples, we get a good question. This is a good question. Good job, fellas. And I think I have to point that out because in our study, I've been a little hard on the disciples, right? And it's easy for us because we're looking back and they're, they're experiencing it forward and we're looking backwards. In hindsight, it's twenty twenty. But I'm so thankful for their sake That the question wasn't something along the lines of, hey, where are we going to get something to eat? Some of you remember, right? That's usually the question. Where are we going to get all the food for these people out here? Or, hey, what about lunch, man? Right? Jesus has just told them, hey, don't talk about this. Until after the Son of Man is risen from the dead. He might have added, because they won't believe you anyways. Even some of us right now have a hard time believing what happened on that mountain. Maybe it was a hallucination. Surely that didn't happen. But if you think about it. The disciples. If they were lying. Then they're the worst kind of weirdos. Because they died for the lies that they told. Many people have died for a lie when they were lied to. And then gave their lives on behalf of a lie that they didn't know was untrue. But who would die for something? Peter crucified upside down, James beheaded, John boiled in oil but wouldn't die, died in exile. Why would these men lie and go through that pain if it didn't really happen? So Jesus says, "Don't talk about it till after I come back from the dead." And then they come up with a good question. And the reason I call it a good question is because it's obvious that they've been reading their Bible. Imagine that. Men reading the Bible. That was sarcasm. That was also a... Okay, I'll just keep going. (laughs) You didn't catch it. You're here. That's good. All right. You get points. They want to know, why do the scribes say first, Elijah must come? What they're referencing is Malachi chapter 3 and Malachi chapter 4. You can go look it up, study it. It was the last... Of the books written before the period of silence before Messiah came. The last of the prophets to speak. And in speaking about the coming Messiah. Malachi had said before Messiah comes. Elijah will come first to point people's hearts back to God. To restore people to this view of the kingdom. And that he would suffer. And so coming down the mountain. They've just seen Elijah. And they're getting confused. And so they ask a good question. Wait a minute. Doesn't it say... That Elijah must come first. So, so they want to believe that Jesus is the son of God. They've heard the voice, but they're still not there yet. Isn't Elijah supposed to come, rabbi? And Jesus confirms it. Yes, you're right. He is to come, and he did come. I encourage you, look, read the story of the transfiguration in all the gospels. And what you find out, he explains very clearly, it was John the Baptist. He was the Elijah. The Elijah-type prophet. One that will come in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus says in one place the one that will come before to restore all things. He did come and he suffered the same way I will suffer. See he's always pointing them back to the cross. Don't get confused. Good question. Elijah came. That's what we're talking about with the Baptist. But they can't get away from the fact that I will be treated with contempt as well and I'll be killed. Elijah has come. And then we get to verse 14. And this ties it in. And when they came to the disciples, that's the other nine, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, how could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And so if we find how these stories are connected, what we see is what started as a glimpse of glory for three disciples, seeing the veil of Christ's humanity pulled back, and they see the light that's shining, the holiness, the goodness, the power, the kingdom. It's him. Listen to him. And they get a little clarification with their question. Yeah, this is it. Don't don't be dissuaded from believing this. Okay, Elijah came. That's the fulfillment. You're seeing the fulfillment. They come down off the mountain into an argument. To this picture of convulsing and foaming at the mouth. And grinding of the teeth. What looks like a seizure. This is a dose of reality. We've had the glimpse of glory. This is a dose of reality. This is a picture of your experience and my experience, your life, and my life, apart from Christ. Now you might say, well, this just sounds like epilepsy. Well, what the scripture says plainly, let's take by faith. It says, no, it looked like a seizure, but it was caused by a demon. And that doesn't mean that someone who has epilepsy has a demon. That's not what it means. Don't be silly. It says clearly that there was a spirit, and when that spirit saw Jesus, it Shrieked and threw the boy on the ground, he begins to convulse and grind his teeth and becomes rigid. And the disciples were unable to do anything with this situation. When Jesus asked the Father, how long has this happened? Since childhood. And many times it's like he wants to throw the boy into the water, into the fire, to destroy him. This is the dose of reality, church. Don't miss this. I don't want to sound like, you know, some Armageddon guy, but this is our reality. There is a God, and He is good, and He is loving, but we live in a fallen and broken and sin-filled world. And as real as God is, there's also an enemy. He's not equal to God in power. He's a fallen angel, and He has many with Him, a third of all the angels that were cast down for their sin. And they seek To destroy you. Scripture gives him names. Liar. He's called the father of lies. Accuser. He brings accusations against God's people all the time. That little voice that even though you have faith in Jesus and received his grace and have been called his child. That voice that says, no, not it's not for you. You're not good enough. Remember, I know what you did. That is from the enemy. He attacks us in our identity all the time. He's an accuser. God works through conviction, not through guilt and accusation. Many of us struggle with that. It's It's the father of lies. He's called a murderer. He's called a destroyer. And that's the dose of reality. Call me crazy. Is this world like the strife and the struggles that we go through? Do we have we not experienced it? He wants to kill you. He wants to kill your faith. He wants to kill your marriage. He wants to kill your kids. He wants to kill your relationships. He wants to divide. He wants you on your own. That's what he wants. That's what he does. And every single one of us brought a little bit of our reality in with us today, or we're listening or watching online, and we're living in a reality that you know it'd be nice to stay up there with that glimpse of glory. But you know, we've heard it before, you can't stay on the mountaintop, you've got to walk through the valleys. The valley's where it gets real. But the beautiful thing is, is in this story, when Jesus says, Bring him to me, it's just like he's saying to us, bring your reality to me. And the light of the world in all of his glory, when it collides with the darkness of our reality, whew, lives are changed. And there's power. And there's power. And this boy, he convulsed... I mean, the demon sees Jesus and shrieks. He knows what's coming. He's cast out and forbidden to ever enter that boy again. They thought he's dead, but he raises him up. Boom. That's a changed life, would, would you agree? And it's no different for you and I when our lives are changed. And there's a little postscript, and and I I don't want you to get distracted, you know, because it's really easy. There's there's a lot of distraction that can happen when you study the Bible or Fight Club or Women's Bible Study or wherever. And it's like, hmm. Apparently, some demons can only come out by prayer. Uh, no, all, all demons can only come out by prayer. So when he, so when the disciples are like. Why couldn't we do anything? And there's a little dose of reality. And he says, Yeah, these can only come out by prayer. One translation says, Prayer and fasting. And forever, people are like, Well, if it's a mute spirit, that must only be by prayer. If it's any kind of spirit, it's only by prayer. What he's saying is, With this, this can only be done if you depend on me. There's only any power here unless God shows up. Do you believe that? You can change you for a while. You can work hard to change your spouse for a while. You can work hard to change your kids or to control that. But unless God's power shows up, unless Jesus shows up into your reality, there'll be no glory glimpsed. This is my son, is what God the Father said. Listen to him. Look To him. And so when we think about, okay, what are we supposed to do with this, right? Especially in these last weeks and months in our study, we've been saying we want to hear God's word. We want to do God's word. It's really simple. And I'll confess to you sometimes, you know, I work hard to try to come up with something really brilliant, you know, something that's tweetable. For those of you on the bathroom wall of social media with us, Right? But God said it. I think that's the first hear and do. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Is that not what the voice said out of the cloud on top of the mountain? This is my son. Listen to him. Why is that important? Because in 2019, there's so many other voices to listen to a guru, a counselor, the best-selling book, my favorite songwriter, my favorite preacher, I stream them, I podcast them, I vodcast them, I'm in this study, and this is the one that's going to change everything. All of those things are good. Only as much as in them and through them, you're actually listening to Jesus. You don't follow a person unless that person is Jesus. Because people will let you down. People always let you down. Not this guy. Not this person. Not this teacher. Yeah, they will. Well, my spouse, you know, she's the exception. Eh, I've let her down. I've seen me do it. I'll do it again. Listen to Jesus is what the voice said. Look to Jesus. He's the one. You see, the disciples very easily in the transfiguration we're getting distracted already. Well, there's Elijah. He's a big deal. Here's Moses. He's a big deal. Those are good guys. But even those guys, the only reason that they were there is because Jesus was there. And the moment that Peter's like, we should, we should build a compound. We should multi-site this, right? We can stream it. You know, it could be the museum. Visit all the bros. The voice was like, stop. Here comes the cloud. This is my son. You guys split. We're done with you. This one. And the law is good, fulfilled in Jesus. The prophets are good, fulfilled in Jesus. Your life and my life should be marked by listening to Jesus. How do you do that? You get to know Him through His Word. You get to know Him through worship. You get to know Him in prayer. I've had a lot of people in the last weeks and months, it seems, that have been coming up saying, I've experienced the presence of God in a way that I've never experienced Him before. Good, listen to that, and don't forget that. That was your little glimpse of glory. And... You notice something, when when you get someone that's really listening to Jesus, not that we just dismiss, you know, church, or we dismiss, I'm not saying that, why would I say that? But when we're listening to Jesus through all of those experiences, transformation takes place. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe it's right around verse 17 and 18. In speaking about this, Paul writing to the church says, we... The church who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are transformed more and more into his image through ever increasing glory. What he's saying there is the glory doesn't radiate out of us the way it radiated out of Jesus' face and, and, and out of his person as God. But what he is saying is that as we listen to Jesus, worship Jesus, follow Jesus, we are transformed and our faces reflect that glory. That's who we're called to be. As disciples, as Christians, you and I are called to reflect that little glimpse of glory that they got. It doesn't come from me, it comes from him. And when you see people obeying Jesus, that's what you see. Have you ever met someone that just oozes Jesus? I don't know if ooze is the right word. Maybe that's gross for you. <laughs> If you ever met someone, man, they're just different. Or you've seen a couple that's listened to Jesus their whole life and walk with Jesus. They haven't been perfect, but they're, you know, they're together and they've grown old together. And man, it's like, I just, you know, I mean, there's been people like that in, in my life where my wife and I are like, oh, we want to be like them. You know what they're doing? They're reflecting Jesus because they listen to Jesus. And it's not really about them. And they'll be the first ones to tell you. That's the first hear and do. The time has come for us to listen to Jesus. I could go on and on about it. It is the last service of the weekend. So start going like this or if it's about to get real in here. I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it. Some of us, we get comfortable talking about God because talking about God is comfortable. Don't misunderstand me. And Jesus is God. I get it. But when that's all we talk about as God, God becomes this impersonal supernatural force. In 2019, it's okay to talk about God, right? There's a pop song from some dumb little girl that's talking about woman as God. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is God. And when you start talking about Jesus, that's when they think you're a wackadoo. I'll take that though, because God is a person. And that's what Peter, James, and John saw. And that's what they heard. Listen to him. What happens when we at the tabernacle become people that say, you know what? I heard from Jesus. I prayed to Jesus. I love Jesus. I worship Jesus. I think this is what Jesus wants from us. We talk to our kids. We point them to Jesus. Then it becomes really, really personal. And that's when we begin to reflect the glory of God. Because Jesus is God. Sorry, end of rant. Here's the second hear and do. It's not just listen to Jesus not just listen to Jesus, but depend on Jesus. Depend on him. Depend on him the way you depend on your vehicle to get you home safely. Depend on him the way some of you weirdos depend on the ice to hold you as you drive your Ford F-150 truck out there. Some of you depend on the ice and what the DNR says more than you depend on Jesus. Depend on Jesus. Put your life in his hands. Put your emotions in his hands. Put your marriage in his hands. Put your future in his hands. Put your sex life in his hands. Put your money in his hands. Put your fears and your anxieties, your concerns and your tomorrow. Depend on Jesus. Depend on him for everything. Some of us only depend on him to get us through an hour or so on a Sunday but we saw in the healing of the boy and in that beautiful thing that the father said when he said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. That gives me hope. I don't know about you. You see, some of us think that if we believe hard enough, all our dreams will come true. Hate to be that guy, but no, they won't. You can do anything and be anything you want to be. No, you can't. I will never dunk a basketball unless it's about this high. But you know what I can do? I can depend on Jesus. You see, when he said that beautiful prayer, he says, help, the, help my unbelief. It's like he was saying, Help the part of me that doesn't believe. Some of us have bought into this. I have to believe 100%. And if I have enough faith and I have enough belief, God's got to give me what I want. That's not what he said. The man is saying, I do believe, but there's a part of me that doesn't believe. And I don't know what the percentage were. Was it 50-50? 50% 50 of me believes, 50% of me doesn't. I need help with the 50 that doesn't. Was it I'm 99% of me believes, 1% doesn't. I need help with the 1%. Or was it most likely, maybe 1% of me believes, 99% doesn't. Isn't it cool that if we depend on Jesus... He even gives us the faith in him that we don't have in him. You can't pull yourself up by your own faith. You can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps when it comes to eternity. And pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, by the way, is physically impossible. If you think about it for a minute. You still need gravity to help you even pull yourself up. Some of you are working that out in your head. Listen to Jesus. And when the disciples are like, why couldn't we do this? These kind can only be driven out by prayer. Prayer to who? Jesus. Depend on Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Depend on Jesus. For everything. When we do that, we see little glimpses of glory in one another's faces. Our worship experience, a little glimpse of glory. Change life, a little glimpse of glory. Someone that takes the next step, a little glimpse of glory. Somebody that gets set free from an addiction or a sin, a little glimpse of glory. Someone whose life is changed, even the worst circumstances, a little glimpse of glory. Experience God's presence, a little glimpse of glory. It only happens when we listen and depend on Jesus. We're going to sing some more as the band's coming, I'm reminded of a story. I don't know if it will translate to you, but it really got my attention. It's a true story of a guy back in the 30s, late late 30s. He lived on Long Island in New York. And back then, they didn't have, like, little weather apps. Because, by the way, apparently we're about to get smacked again. For those of you watching or listening from hot places, pray for us. And be grateful. So we're about to get smacked because we have a weather app. Well, this guy didn't have a weather app. He didn't know snow was coming. He didn't know any of that. So he decided to buy a barometer from a super like expensive store just so he could see what's coming. And he sent away for it and it came in the mail from a company called Abercrombie & Fitch, by the way. So it wasn't blue jeans. Apparently, they sold barometers back in the day. It was a high-tech piece of equipment. And when he unpacked it, he was so excited. He's living on Long Island and the thing comes out of the package and it's set to hurricane. And he's like, you know, and he's it, like, this piece of crap. What, I spent all this money, you know, and, and banged it around. He's like, this thing's worthless. And he got really, really upset because he ordered something from Amazon. And some of you, no, it wasn't, he just ordered, and it doesn't work. So as the story goes, the guy left Long Island, went to a post office, packaged it up to go send it back, and he included a scathing letter about this piece of junk. Sent it off, and as he left the post office, started heading back to Long Island, it started to rain, and the wind picked up. And the hurricane of 1938 leveled Long Island, including his home. He didn't listen to the barometer. He didn't depend on the barometer. This thing is worthless. You know what the moral of that story is for us? If we don't listen to Jesus. If we don't depend on Jesus, we're going to get leveled. Would you bow your heads with me? I don't know what God's saying to you today. But if he's speaking, I know it's important that you listen to him. And I know for all of us, myself included, he's saying, listen to me. He's saying, depend on me. You can trust me. I never fail. I come through. Lord Jesus, would you help us to listen to you? From the youngest child in this room who can understand and hear, to the one who's dragged here by his parents or his family and really doesn't want to be here, to the one who's trying church one more time, to the one who's desperate, to the one who's in a good place, to every single one of us. Would you help us to hear your word and do your word? To listen to you and depend on you? And in that, maybe we can not only glimpse your glory, but maybe we can reflect your glory into the reality of where we live. God, where there's desperation and unbelief, would you give us the faith to believe a little bit more? Would you show up in those places where we don't believe and we don't trust, where we forget and we stop depending? We need that help. We need it from Jesus, who's our great God and King. And by His Spirit we pray, and it's in His name that we pray. Jesus the Christ. And if you agree, church, say, Amen. God bless you.